Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. I, brethren, cannot speak to you as a spiritual man, uh, spiritual man, but as to men of flesh, as to infants in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able, for you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? For when one says, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not mere men? What then is Apollos? What then is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, But God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Amen. Church, would you bow your heads with me in prayer before we begin? God, we thank you for gathering all of us here in your house, Lord. God, we come uh, just from different states of our lives, Lord. But God, we come with the same desire, wanting to hear from you, wanting you to just enter our lives, God. Mold our hearts, God, and allow us to walk in your holy ways, Lord. God, if some of us are discouraged today, God, would you encourage us? If some of us are too broken, God, we pray for your healing word to come upon us, Lord. God, we just surrender. God, we just concede this time onto you. Do anything to us in this time, God. I pray that you speak with clarity and authority. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. My old youth pastor had a saying that he used quite often. And the saying was, come on, church. And he would say in front of the pulpit, he would say like this, come on, church. Some of you guys have met him, Pastor Sam. He's a very fiery guy, passionate guy, and he's a strong guy. And he would appear to us before us, and oftentimes standing behind the pulpit, he would say, Come on, church. And that phrase came whenever he addressed a youth group, whenever we were found doing something that we shouldn't be doing, or we were being involved in scenarios that we should not have been in. You could imagine that as young teenagers, full of energy, full of passion, but lacking wisdom at times, we were often found in compromising situations. So in those moments, our youth pastor would stand behind the pulpit and he would uh, passionately cry to us, Come on, church! Let me give you some scenarios. Uh, Dealing with some kids in our youth youth group that just couldn't seem to leave our former life. Uh, Back in the early 90s when I went through junior high and high school, one culture just... Uh, uh, was rampant in the Korean-American community. What was that, guys? What were we into the early 90s? Some of you guys are too young or pretending too young, but you guys know this. Uh, We were into heavy gang. uh, The gang culture dominated the Korean-American youths in the early 90s. So uh, one time, um, so a lot of our church members were barely saved uh, by the work of God, by the miracle work of God, that they, they, they're now committed their lives to God, and, but, but they're still fighting with their flesh, right? They're still trying to get it together. 
One time in the middle of service, uh, we, our church was located in the city of Whittier. It was right between Orange County and L.A. County, Cerritos and Fullerton. And I don't know what happened. I, I didn't witness it, but apparently some guy was looking at some dude wrongly. And he was disrespected. He was angry. So they were having this stare down during service. And as soon as the service ended, one of the guys went to the car, grabbed the golf club, came into the sanctuary swinging, getting, starting a fight. A fist fight broke out in the middle of it. And what, what did my pastor do? I remember just grabbing him. I mean, he just said the final prayer, fresh off the anointing of the Holy Spirit. He came out, grabbed one of the guys by, uh, by the shirt. I mean, he was, uh, this guy was so strong. He grabbed and lifted him up, and he just slammed him on the, on the top of the hood of a car. He said, what are you doing? What are you doing? This is God's. And all of us are just frozen in fear of man at that moment. We're like, wow, this guy is bad. And then, but he had this thing. And then the right next week, he was like, come on, church. You know better. What are you doing? What about other instances where, um, you, know, when, and I, you know, high school kids, we would fail to make prior, priorities straight in our lives. So sometimes uh, putting school before our relationship with God. And he was, he was like, no nonsense, too. So if, if he happened to found out that we missed church because there was a big test coming up, and we were all, no, it was not, it was an unwritten rule that the night before the SATs, you better come to church. Because that would show that you're prioritizing your faith life before anything else. So he made sure that you never put school life before your relationship with God. And we understood that. Uh, there's sometimes, and at the same time, there were some students who took that literally and took that part only just seriously. And there were some students neglecting the school life. They were like on fire for the Lord, passionate, praise team, servant team, Bible study team, all that. But they were flunking out of school. So he would get like, come on, church. You know better. What are you doing? So, I mean, that's kind of the saying that we were always found in. And all that to convey, every time this incident took place, he would always say, come on, church, with so much passion on the pulpit, urging these high school students to live otherwise. And at that time, when I look back, he was conveying not just disappointment and sadness. My old youth pastor, he wasn't just angry. He wasn't just going on a a, a full-on rage mode on the pulpit. But he was pointing us at the same time, hey, you know better. You can be better than this. You're more than this. And you ought to be more like Jesus. All of that to say, hey, you know what? Let's refocus and, and have our lives centered around God. As I read this passage today in the First Corinthians chapter 3, I sense Paul doing the same thing here. I, I hear, I read these words of Apostle Paul as if Paul is my pastor. Now Paul, the Apostle Paul, is speaking to the church or the people in Corinth as he loves, as he's so passionate about the congregation of this Corinthians church. Even though right now he's writing this letter from the city of Ephesus, but he's longing, he's looking back, he's reminiscing of the time that he actually spent with the people in Corinth. So there's a lot of love. There's a lot of connection. 
There are a lot of emotions. But at the same time, as Paul is recalling their behaviors, he's hearing the news about how they're living their lives. He's saying, come on, guys. Hey, what's going on? Come on, church. What are you doing? You should know better. And he goes on to say, you know what? I can't even talk to you as grown-ups. You're like babies. You're immature kids. You're not all there yet. And he's reminding them that, you know what? You guys need to just kind of, in a sense, grow up. Just like a good coach would talk to a team that's down at halftime. So Paul is wanting to motivate them. He's inspire them. A little bit of, you know, kicking the pants too. Say, come on, guys, come on. He's trying to stir them up. If you look at verse 2, it says, Paul is saying, Even now, you're not able, for you are not able to receive it. And it says, Indeed, even now you're not yet able, for you are still fleshly. What does Paul mean by that? By calling the people in Corinth, you are fleshly. That word fleshly is pretty important. It's a word that Apostle Paul uses quite, quite a bit, quite often, all throughout his letters in the New Testament. That word flesh in the Greek language is sarks. And Paul is using that word to simply compa- uh, 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 convey the importance and the meaning or the, or the what is it, the, the, the paralleling nature of the new life in God or the new spiritual life that is now found in Christ versus the way of life before Christ. You guys understand that, right? So we call it BC, before Christ and after Christ. So naturally, I mean, think about, think about the life that you lived before you were found by Christ. Think about the life, I mean, just think about the, just the amount of sin that you're involved in. Think about just the way of thinking before you became Christian. Uh, I'm guessing there's quite a disparity, right? So he's talking about, uh, Paul is referring to new life and spiritual life. So subsequent to being born again. So the language of being old and new, Christian, pagan, bad versus good. And Paul is simply explaining this comparative nature now with Christ's influence. And Paul is telling the people in Corinth, now you're still fleshly. You're still fleshly. He's saying there's too much of your former self being present, being played out in the life of your spiritual life. Paul is indicting them saying, you resort to your former ways, you are regressing, you're letting your old self get the best of you right now, you're losing your focus, you're missing your mark. And for that reason, Paul is saying, come on now, come on guys, you're better than this. You should know better. Come on, get your act together. Come on, guys. So he's spurring them on. So what's the problem here? And the problem is stated in verse 3. For you are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you. Say with me, jealousy, strife. So there's jealousy and strife among you. Are you not fleshly? And for you are still fleshly. There's a lot of, uh, I'm repeating that verse right and he's saying uh, the main issues of you demonstrating the ways of your old self is that you're living your life full of jealousy and strife jealousy 
He's talking about how there's mistrust in the community, in the church. There's contempt. People are actually wishing ill will against towards each other. People can't stand when someone else is living the better life. Instead of celebrating, they're hating on them. So there's a lot of jealousy going on. There's strife going on too. Strife is another word for infighting, in-house. There's contention. There's competition. People are fighting over power. There's friction all over the place. To the point such that there's a boiling point now. All their relationships are now miscued. They're not aligned between the pastor and the congregation members, between the husband and the wives, between the friends, between the small group members and the others. There's a lot of conflict going on. They're arguing, they're bickering to prove who is right. There's a lot of that going on here. Can you imagine a church, I mean, fighting? I'm just being sarcastic, by the way. Of course we could imagine church fighting. Uh, If you've been Christian for uh, quite some time, you probably have been, unfortunately, have observed or witnessed, even be a part of some kind of conflict or infighting within the church. Unfortunately. And that happens. And Paul is trying to route their attention. Guys, you shouldn't be fighting. Why are you guys fighting? Let me explain more plainly what's going on here. Okay? What is on the screen, guys? What do you see? Come on, speak up. What do you see? Chick-fil-A and... How do you know that's Popeye's chicken? You know what? How many guys have had Popeye's chicken sandwich? That's what I figured, okay? So, even without having experienced the goodness of Popeye's chicken sandwich, we know what's going on here. There's a huge dispute going on in, in, in the community or in the world, right? or at least in America, Team Popeye's Chicken versus Team Chick-fil-A, right? How many of you guys are on the bandwagon of uh, Popeye's? So none of you guys are believers? Okay, okay, Irene's, oh, okay, Deborah has, first time I've seen her participate. I, don't know. I mean, she means business. She knows it. Do you know your chicken sandwich? She's serious about chicken sandwich, right? So people are arguing back and forth. Popeye's chicken said, you know what? Uh, I've never had it. I tried this week. The wait was just uh, ridiculous. 40 minutes wait. I mean, I, I've been following my uh, Facebook, my city thread, and I'm always trying to catch the right time to go so I can minimize my wait time. An average 40 minutes. That's ridiculous. Right? Did you know that few, four days ago, a man was murdered? Waiting, while waiting in line to get a chicken sandwich from Popeye's, he apparently cut another person, and the person who was cut in front of him, he was so outraged, he stabbed him to death. This is the world that we're living in. Anyway, I'm I'm sidetracking here. So Popeye's chicken, supposedly they're known for batter, crispiness. I mean, Popeye's chicken, that's my favorite fried chicken. You got that spicy kick, right? I mean, delicious. You could just imagine so people who love Popeye's chicken, you know what? It's all about the texture. It's all about the crispiness. It's all about the spice. Come on. And people who are saying, you know what? Popeye's chicken, that's cute. But it's all about Chick-fil-A. It's not just, they, they always, the team Chick-fil-A always say, it's not just the chicken sandwich, guys. It's the experience. Right? When I go to Chick-fil-A, Man, I'm treated so well. And they say, 
it's not just about the service. What else is it about, guys? Chick-fil-A. Where are you at? It's about the sauces. Do they put a limit on how many sauces you can take? Oh, no. Do they give you a dirty look? Do they judge you when you ask for extra sauce? No way. You could have as many sauces as you want, and they come by like every five minutes. I'm like, stop, yo. Stop bothering me. I'm eating. Do you need anything, sir? Can I get you more drink? Like, leave me alone. They say, you know, Team Chick-fil-A, they stand by, you know what? It's all about Chick-fil-A. Where do you guys stand in between the two? Chick-fil-A. I'm like, Chick-fil-A. But they close on Sunday. Not Popeye's chicken. You know what I think, though? I'm neither. You know what I am? I'm Team McChicken. I'm Team McChicken. You know why? Like somebody said, right? McChicken was there for me. When I had no money in my wallet, McChicken was there for me. Sometimes I wake up hungry. I had just missed. It's too early, but I could roll up to McDonald's at 1030. Guess what? I ordered two of these bad boys for under $3. It doesn't even compare for me. Are you serious? I ain't paying for no four bucks, five bucks for a chicken sandwich. I could get four of those. Sure, it's not the best, but McChicken will never, ever deny me. Waiting in line, walking away empty-handed after 40 minutes, that would never happen. On Sunday, they're open on Sundays. Did I, did, did Scott just compare the infighting of the Corinthian church, the fight of the chicken sandwiches? I just did. I just went there. You know what Paul is saying here? Paul is saying, guys, why are we fighting here? Why are we fighting? Sure, it was me that came to the city. I was the first one to have preached the gospel. All of you guys came to know Jesus because of my preaching. So I started this church. All of you guys were there when I planted this church. That's great. And I left. But I was gone. But it was Apollos that took over. He was a gifted preacher. Many argue that he was a superior, more superior preacher than Apostle Paul. I mean, it's hard to imagine. He was that good. So imagine people were a uh, uh, Apollos camper and like, Apostle Paul, who is that? Can you imagine joining the Corinthian church? You roll up. The first person that you see is not Paul, but it's Apollos, right? And he loves his pastor. Like amazing. Sermons, awesome. Getting blessed, right? And he hears his bickerings like, but, uh, but Paul would plant the church. And like, I don't care about Paul. He's not my pastor. There's infighting going on. If you reach out to one of these First uh, 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 Corinthians, there's also third camp, just like the Popeye's chicken debate. They're saying some were part of Apollos, some were part of Paul, some were saying, you know what? We're part of Christ. So can you imagine, like people walking around, like, you know what? Apollos, that's cute. Apostle, that's great, great, but we belong to the Church of Christ. I mean, can you imagine just how pompous? That group of people might have been. While people were fighting over which pastor was greater, they're saying, we're of Christ. So snobby, so arrogant. Just want to smack him, right? That's what was happening in the Corinthian church. And Paul is just baffled. 
Are you guys kidding me? We're fighting over who's better right now? Guys, do you not see the point of me coming? Do you not see the point of Apollos ministering to you? Do you not see the point of Christ dying for you? It's so that you may be led to the gospel, so that you may encounter the love of God. There is no point of infighting. There is no point of fighting whose sandwich is better. We should be happy that we get to be fed delicious sandwiches. Amen? Come on, church. This service is turning weird right now. But that's the point, guys. Paul is saying, don't fight anymore, guys. Keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, we simply have different roles. But we are of the same team. Let me give you another example. In my household, we play games with kids. Right? Um, you guys know me. Uh, I'm just a little competitive. I don't think I am, but people continue to say, accusing me that I'm too competitive. Okay? They say things like, Scott, you take things way too seriously. Seriously. Yeah, you need to tone down. Um, I, I, I admit, I am competitive. Guess what? When you have kids and you're competitive, guess what your kids are going to turn out to be? They turn out to be little competitive monsters. So in anything that we do, our objective is what? We want to win. So it's great when we're competing, whether we be playing Moncala, Monopoly, Monopoly Deal. Uh, it doesn't matter. We're going to compete, and we're gonna, our goal is to beat each other, right? But there is one game that... Usually, when the objective is commonly to win, it's okay. Everyone's competing. But there's one game on uh, Nintendo Switch. You guys play that game? Mario Party. There's one game that that game turns out really, really bad. Because there's infighting going on. Uh, you guys, uh, I don't even know. It's like Mario Party. But then you know the, when you're rafting down the river and everyone has... You guys know that game? You guys know what I'm talking about? I should have uh, brought a picture so the goal is to, you're, you're rafting downstream, right? You, you got four people, four seats, and you have to roll together. And you have to go towards the balloon, which you can pop the balloon and you play the mini game inside. But you have to basically, four people have to control the raft together to land on the balloon. When you have four people all wanting to win, guess what? It's a giant mess. So we're going, we're going. And because everyone's doing their own thing, we missed the balloon. And when you miss the balloon, the time expires and we lose. It's game over. So four of us are playing this game. My wife isn't here. She, she knows this is true. We're playing, playing. When we miss, guess what? Everyone is screaming, Daddy! Stop it right now! I'm like, I'm just, what are you, sit down. Oh! And you, and like, we are, they're so expressive. Like, if you mess up, there's a, Oh, like as if like I led them to death or something. And we're fighting, and then we're rowing down again. And we're like, no, 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 left, left, left. But then everyone's like, people on the right are saying, no, 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 we need to go right, 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 right. So we're fighting. So when we're going left, left, right people are going to right. Guess what we end up? We go straight. So we miss the balloon again. And everyone is fighting, yelling, screaming. I'm not saying all the times, but oftentimes... Our game time ends up as one person gets mad, storms out, 
and uh, we have to shut down the TV and like, stop, no more, right? And then like the fun ends. I just admit it, right? I mean, sadly enough, that's what Paul is describing here. You guys, there's no point of fighting here. You need to understand this is God's church. Be united. Be of one spirit. Now resemble to be Christ's church. Stop fighting. Stop arguing. It says, I planted Apollos water, but God was causing the growth. Did you get that part? Paul is saying, guys, we're nothing. None of us should be getting any credit for any of the ministry that's being done. We're simply agents of God. God is the one causing the actual growth. We're simply just doing our individual parts. I know that the wonderful people of Rooftop, none of you guys really do this. Uh, None of you guys really have this attitude where you are jealous or you're striving with other churches, right? Let me tell you what, just in case, you know what? We as a local church in this small community, we ought to be celebrating, we ought to be endorsing of the ministry and the success of our neighboring churches. Amen. There is no reason for us to be hating on other churches. There is no need for us to say, oh my gosh, they got more people than us. Oh my God, did you see their praise team? Oh my gosh, hello. Did you see how big they smile, uh, uh, part of their welcoming team? Like we, there's no need for us to compete. There are different portions, there are different lots that God has given to us. And there are different assignments, which we ourselves probably cannot complete. And God has given that assignment to us another church let me flip the script there is no reason for us to be too prideful of our own church too it's good i i I wish you guys love our church i wish you guys have some kind of pride and self-pride of your church but not to the point where you minimize or belittle the ministries and the work of other churches and don't ever, I, I encourage you guys to, if, if people are looking for church, people are wanting to know God, experience God, bring them by all, no, by, by all means. But don't ever say things like, you know what, you got to only come to our church to meet God. Don't say things like that. Oh, you got to come to our church to experience God. Don't, don't, don't say things like that. Recognize that we are one of many parts and branches in the body of Christ. The goal is what? People finding Jesus. People hearing the gospel. Chick-fil-A has continued to have success. Okay? What is it? Popeyes, they will continue to have success. McDonald's will continue to exist because I will continue to go back there. And you should too. The important thing is that people are getting their chicken sandwiches. Amen? (laughs) What is going on? Let me bring this down just a notch here. We talked about the macro level of, uh, we, we more or less understand how we ought to be- behave as a church. But let me see, but did you know that the spirit of the church is determined by individual members' attitude, the spirit and disposition of individual members of that church? Meaning 
not only do we talk about jealousy and strife in the macro or the bigger scale, I think it's important to understand that make sure that we don't have the spirit of jealousy. We don't live or move out of spirit of strife in our own lives as well. You guys getting me so far? So check, your, check, your, check yourself right now. Let's focus in on what's going on here. Let's pause and ask ourselves of a very same question. Do we do this as well? Is there jealousy in our lives? Are you a jealous person? Are you a person that there's strife? You revel in conflict? I figure that. I figure that no one's going to openly admit, yeah, I'm a jealous person. Um, The thing about jealousy, let, let me just say this. Most of us are too smart. Most of us are way too... Uh, self-aware to frankly admit or to frankly think to ourselves that we are jealous people. We're all well-informed. We know that there's nothing more petty than being jealous. So of all the other things, we would admit that, yeah, we're, we're, we're greedy. We're, but jealousy is one attribute that we wouldn't re- readily recognize or admit that we are jealous people. Right? Now, So I'm going to frame this a little bit differently. Now, I'm going to throw different uh, uh, words here. In what ways can we see jealousy manifesting in our lives? Now, how many of you guys are competitive? Okay. I I just openly admitted that I'm a very competitive person. Uh, let, me, let me explain how I'm like, well, what does com- being competitive have anything to do with being jealous, right? I'm going to just explain to you. Uh, if you're competitive, you've got to watch out that there may be a spirit of jealousy that's quite dormant, but it's there. If you're not careful, it can come off as uh, being jealous. Meaning, when you're competitive, you're more often, likely, more often than not, uh, your life is a constant comparison with others. And you feel the need to be ahead. You feel the need to be of the it. You feel the need to be part of the it group. You feel the need to have all of these things, whatever they may be. So you are by nature wanting to be ahead, wanting to be part of the main group. So um, you need to make sure that you stay ahead of other people. Uh, the house that you live in, the nice car that you drive, you're not really feeling, I mean, what, what about this? What about your kids? Is it possible that we can also be competitive with our children? Um, in your head, it's a competition. As a parent, I kind of understand this, right? You compare your kids with other kids. You go to church or you go to your kid's school and you find out that so-and-so's kids who's X amount of so-and-so years, and you find out that your kid is, you know, X amount of years, and, and you observe this kid, it's like, whoa, that kid reads already? He's like two? Wow. He's already, like, talking in full sentences? He does the dishes? So you come home, and you think, and you look at the kid, you love your kid, but all of a sudden, the kid whom you love very much, unconditionally, you're now frustrated. And he's just playing with his toys, being all cute, playing with his toy cars, and like, like, hey, get up, fool. And you, you throw the book at him. They start reading. 
And all of a sudden, you decide to sit with your kid, and then you teach the kid. He's two. You want this kid to read. You know what? We would never say we're jealous, but in the way that we are so competitive, our kids bring this competitive spirit out of us. Are you with me? Second example. You're attending blocks, right? We had blocks this past week. You go over to someone's house, your, your wonderful host, and you see the host, they cater food. Oh, you know what? They, they're going above and beyond themselves. They're cooking, right? And you see that usually it's the woman cooking in the house because women are better cooks in most houses. I don't want to offend anybody, right? So they're cooking, but you see the husband just running back and forth, doing everything that he can. Help out. Honey, what do you want me to do? He's just running. And he's watching the kid, try to putting the kid to sleep. He's like, honey, tell me, what, should, what else should I do? And he's like preparing the Bible study. He's cleaning. I'm like, what is this? It's Superman, right? And he's like, honey, are you tired? And he's giving, them, giving the wife massage all at once. All the while cooking, vacuuming, and he's also attending to the wife. And you look at your husband. Your husband is sitting down on the couch. He's not even sitting down. He's sprawled out. He's laying down. Stuffing his face with pizza, fried chicken, licking his fingers. He's got like chicken crumbs everywhere. You look at him. You don't say anything because you're in front of people. Because they're boiling rage. The whole time the block people are meeting, talking about God, discussing the Bible, there's nothing going on in your head except that, look at this loser. <laughs> block meeting ends. You're on your way home. You're talking. You're not even talking. He's, he's driving. Husband has no idea. You're just mad. Right? You're so furious that this man doesn't get it. Guess what, guys? There's a spirit of competitiveness in there. And when you're comparing and you're getting competitive, guess what? Your heart is being, uh, your, your heart is breeding with what? Jealousy. We find ourselves in constant comparisons. Is there anyone among you today that you find yourself comparing? You keep measuring the life that you have. You weigh on the balance your job, other people's jobs, your husband or your wife. I have to be fair. Your wife, other person's wife, your house, someone else's. What did I say? House, car, job. I mean, all these things. I want to say, can we just stop? Can we stop comparing? Can we stop competing against each other and understand that when I'm healthy, when, out of, when I live my life out of generosity, when I spend more time celebrating rather than comparing, come on church, guess what? That's going to be really, really good for the church. Amen? And you know what? Let's be a church that learns to celebrate with other people. When someone gets a promotion, guess what? I'm not even saying, oh, say, Scott, but we can use that as a motivation. I get that. You better get it. You're an adult. You're a grown man. But I'm saying, when someone is celebrating, guess what? Pause. Stop everything that you're doing and stand next to that person. Put your hands up. Shout. Scream. <laughs> Hey, learn to celebrate with your church folks. Amen. Learn to celebrate. 
Let's be a church. Let's be a people that learn to celebrate with other people. Next. I forget what we're supposed to talk about. Are you competitive? Are you? No, like, no not anymore. <laughs> Are you competitive? Okay, what's next? Next. Do you complain? Like, Scott, where are you going with this one? Complain? Jealousy? Strife? Are you a person that complains a lot? Well, this one is pretty subtle, too. There are some people who are very open, very uh, vocal people who say, you know what? Uh, they, they, they're complainers. There's not much to be said of that. Well, they, they, they say things like, well, they suck. <laughs> uh, they're pretty terrible. You're pretty terrible. Sometimes they say that to you, too. Like, hey, you're, you're terrible. Right? Uh, so, some complainers are very secure in their complaining hood, so they just complain openly. But I'm saying there's also a subtle form of complaining as well. More of us complain than you would think. Some of us complain by not participating. We silently protest. And that's, what, that's our way of complaining. Uh, we talked about we, we don't show up, we are absent. We're silently defiant. And when everyone is, uh, uh, what, celebrating, we say, you better stop that right now. I'm not putting my hands, I'm not celebrating. So some of us complain in that regard. I'm going to tie the next one as well. Gossiping and complaining, okay? And let me open up. Let me confess. I did a fair share of complaining this week. And mine was this. And it came very subtle because we're smarter these days, right? So we don't ever want to be known as the guy complaining, right? So uh, I've had troubles with my son's soccer team. Uh, we're, we just finished week nine of this 10-week-long uh, season. Uh, our record is 0-9. We won zero games. So f- over the past of over two months, my son never celebrated. <laughs> so sad, right? So... Uh, and I realized during the course of saying, I'm like, hey, no, we should be doing more. Like, like I, I, we attend every practice. I'm like, the practices should be more. Like, we need to get more out of these players. I'm like, I'm like it's, something's coming up, right? So, but I don't want to be complaining either. I don't want to say, oh, come on, coach. Like, coach should be doing business. Oh, you shouldn't do it this way. Why is the coach not? Why? Why are they talking? So, Instead of saying something openly negative about the coaches, because I don't want to complain, guess what I did? I showed up to practice this past Monday. I just kind of stood there, right, watching practice. And I waited. I, I waited for another parent to kind of come alongside me. And, say, hey, and, and sure enough, he stood right next to me. I was like, hey, uh, so uh, how do you like the season? So I'm like, I just... Very neutral statement, right? So how do you like the season? I'm, like, I'm thinking, I'm casting a very wide net. So what do you think about the season? I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it would have been nice if you could, could actually win games. Like, yeah, right? It would be nice, right, if we won, right? So, uh, and I'm like, hmm. So, uh, do you think the kids are playing well? And then my next question was like, do you think they're actually learning? So I'm getting there, but, but it's crazy. Like, it's Monday. I'm like, God's like speaking to me. He's like, Scott, what are you doing? Like, I, I could feel him wanting 
to stop me, but I'm like, I know, but God, like right now, don't stop. Church isn't until Sunday. We just had church yesterday. This is my time. I'm speaking. He's like, Scott, watch out. Watch out. I was like, but I disregarded that statement. I said, you know what? And I just bleh, came out. Hey, don't you think that we need to do better? Don't you think like it needs to be this way? Don't you think? And by that time, it was already done. All of my complaining came in the form of a question. Sometimes, sometimes, we don't think we're complaining, but we, the, our complaining comes as a form of questioning and then not validating what's going on. Are you a complainer? Are you? Do you complain sometimes? We have to catch ourselves when we complain. When we move out of the spirit of competitiveness within church, guess what? That's going to bring friction, conflict within. Gossiping as well. Do you gossip? Of course. None of you are going to raise your hands. It's like, Scott, of the three things, this is the worst one. We don't want to ever want to be known as the, the rat, right? We don't want to talk... We don't want to, but do you gossip? Do you think, do you talk, do you think about the, per, do you talk about that person when that person is not present? Guess what? The last time I checked the definition, that's called gossiping. I'm just fact checking. No, no, no. Fact checking while the person is not there, that's called gossiping. Stop it. Church, stop it. We cannot be a gossiping church. We cannot be a people, a church, going behind people's backs, talking about them, waiting people to come on our side so we can complain together, trying to fight one another, trying to outdo one another. We can't be that people. Come on, church. We have to mature. Rooftop. Rooftop. We have to grow up. We must make sure that we do not become a church that is divisive and unhealthy. Amen. And I pray that we take the words of Apostle Paul seriously. That we find honor and joy in treating each other with respect. With genuine Humility, as found in Philippians chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, no, no, Philippians chapter 2, preferring one another, humbling ourselves, pursuing unity at all costs. When we do that, Christ is found in our church. Christ is glorified as a church as we are unified. Amen.